You are listening to the Archery Maniacs Podcast. This is Remy Warren. I am Rihanna Carey. My name is Adam Foss. This is Paul Tetford, professional archer. Hey everyone, I'm Christy Titus, and you are listening to Archery Maniacs. We cover everything archery, from the hunting side to the tournament side, with stories, tips and tactics, gear reviews, and more. That helped my tuning game so much when I made sure that all my arrows were square. And I'm just staring into his eyes. Blood's dripping off of its tines. Mud is everywhere. The clarity these mavens offer is amazing. I'm just like Spider-Man, you know, on this rock. You know, just <laughs> laying there. Belly crawling in there and I can barely fit in there and I can hear the cat growling at me. So I put my hand on his shoulder and pushed him and we just ran at this elephant. In this episode, I have Brian Barney on the podcast as well as Ryan Lampers. Uh, They're both sharing two of their mule deer hunting success stories. Ryan's is a Nevada buck from 2016, and I think Brian's was a Montana mule deer. So I hope you enjoy the show. In this episode of Stories from the Red Zone, Brian Barney joins us and shares a success story in which he rose above all the challenges, all the mishaps, all the frustration, and put it all together and made it a shot on an awesome buck. Stay tuned, and I hope you enjoy the show. Hey, this is Brian Barney. And I'm your host, Zach Harold. And you're listening to Archery Maniacs. Perfect, Brian. Well, obviously, as always, it is a pleasure to have you. Um, The amount of stuff that I've learned from you before I met you, and then the amount of stuff that I've learned after I've after I've met you, just insane. It's really helped me move to the next level. So for that, I can't really thank you enough. Um, so yeah, obviously, I appreciate you taking the time to hop on the podcast with us again and share some of your stories and some of your tips and tactics and all that kind of stuff. I appreciate it. Yeah, right on, man. Yeah, thanks. That's an awesome compliment. Yeah, no, um, when it's your passion, it just comes out. So no, more than happy to to get on any time and share information and talk about different things. So no, this is great, Zach. Cool. Cool. Yeah. So, so as for, uh, like I've told you, I am launching a new podcast series called stories from the red zone. And I know that you have quite a few awesome stories. Um, and what's so cool about bow hunting stories, in my opinion, and really any hunting story that you really have to work for, um, when it all comes together, the size of the trophy isn't what makes the story. It's the fact that you rose above all the challenges that were basically kicking you in the face and you made it happen. And I know you have a lot of stories like that. Um, so yeah, if you would like to share a, a success or two and then a failure or two, uh, that would be awesome. Yeah, you bet. Yeah, more than happy. Um, always like t- talking hunting stories. So, <laughs> yeah, you you talk about the the trials and tribulations, and that's such a major part to the animal you harvest. And it's like the the harder you work for it, or or the more hurdles you cross, you know, the the more accomplished the trophy is, or the the more proud of it you are. So. Yeah, I've had a bunch of tough hunts over the years and uh, a tough time picking out which one I want to talk about or, or which stories I want to tell. And also, you know, a bunch of failures that I've had. And, and uh, you know, and a lot of times you you overcome those failures and get back. But I, I do have one that comes to mind. I um, So I've been hunting out of state for quite a few years and I've been fairly successful hunting these high country mule deer. And I just I love to hunt high country mule deer. Well, there was a uh, one season where you know tags came out and I didn't draw any tags in any of these out of state hunts I had put in for and so um you know I had to come up with a plan I didn't want to miss out on high country mule deer hunting and so you know I started researching around and I had gone to some different places Montana and we're not known for our high country mule deer and there's a a lot of mountain ranges that have elk in them or have you know where the elk and deer compete for food sources where there's not high populations of deer or you know there there's just not a lot of great high country spots for mule deer that are just set up for mule deer like these other states they're not managed for it they allow hunting during the rut there's less numbers it's just tougher but um so i've so i've had a lot of failures so i spent the summer kind of researching different mountain ranges and 
and uh, scout in different mountain ranges. And I settled on this one mountain range that's this, this gnarly mountain range in Montana and kind of sits in the northeast corner of the state – or sorry, the northwest corner of the state up and through there. Um, it's it's a lot thicker. They get a, a lot more moisture up there. Um and it's just, gosh, it is just a gnarly mountain range. There's a reason they have big muleys in there, and it's just because it's so tough. So on a map and on Google Earth, this mountain range looked like this little tiny thing. It looked like, okay, it's only, <laughs> you know, 100 miles long, and, and, you know, gosh, it's only 25, 30 miles wide. And, you know, this is this is just a baby mountain range, you know. I I, I can run all over this thing. I can I can be from one peak to the next to the next and cover this whole range. Well. As I got up there scouting, it is the gnarliest place I've been in my entire life. It, it um, It's so much underbrush there that it makes the country so much bigger. So there's so much underbrush and timber. You can't see where you're at. You can't navigate. And, it, and it's so thick with all this underbrush that's 10 feet high that you're just constantly fighting from willow brush to, to underbrush. And so it, it takes you an hour or two hours to go a mile in this country if you're not on a trail. Jeez. So I get in one and then you get so then you've got all this thick underbrush and you finally get back to where you can start getting above tree line. And it's never quite above tree line in there, but there's less trees and more meadows and kind of gets up. But the country is so cliffy and gnarly like the there there's mountain climbers that take a bunch of pictures in this mountain range, but it's just full of cliffs everywhere. It is so steep and it's every everywhere you go you get cliffed out. I've never been so scared in all my life. I clipped out <laughs> I I mean I tried to make it up this one north face and I was just trying to go from one drainage to the next drainage and it took me four different tries up this up this side, up this north side to find a route through and I'd I'd get cliffed out and come back down and go up another route and get cliffed out and come back down. So this, this mountain range, as I started scouting it, I realized it's a whole lot bigger than it looks on a map and, and a whole lot tougher. Um, but I started to scout it and I started to see bucks in there and find bucks. And, and I just thought, you know, I'm just going to treat it like one of my big out-of-state adventures. I'm going to take 10 days, 12 days, and I'm not coming out of there until I kill a buck. I'm, I'm going to make sure, you know, I'm going to get I'm going to get my buck in there. And so I started scouting and I started seeing some pretty nice deer in there and started getting kind of a, a game plan. And I hunt with this good buddy of mine, um, um, Dan. And, and so Dan, um, I've hunted out of state with him. And a lot of times I do these solo missions. And, and so this time we were going to meet up, but he had to work like the first three or four days of the season. So I was going to go solo and check out this back drainage and kind of hunt in there. And then I was going to meet up with Dan and then we were going to hunt the rest of the hunt out together. And, and he's a great hunting partner, great attitude and, and hardcore guy. And so, um, we set it up and I went in there for the first few days of the season. And so I had this killer vantage point that I had to kind of climb up this north side I'm telling you about that took me four tries to make it up. But I found this route. It's just a little bit scary going up. It's like, a, <laughs> uh, man, I mean, even the grass slo slope scares you. It's like a 70 degree grass slope and you just kind of skirt these cliff bands. And I mean, you don't you don't want to slip and fall. You may end up at the bottom, but. I have this route and heights don't really scare me too much. I, I, I pretty much go for it and I always keep safe. Um, but, but I'm always pushing my limits as well. So I, <laughs> <laughs> right. So I, um, so I make my way up to this vantage point and it's this killer little sleep out where I'm going to get up there. And so I'm, I make it up there and, and get up there and I, um, I'm going to bed for the night and it's getting dark and I've got this little bivy tent I've got set up and it's just on a, cliff edge dang near i mean don't roll over in bed or you'll you'll end up at the bottom and so you're kind of like <laughs> like living like these mountain climbers living off this vantage point and it's just gnar and so and but you can see really well so i i sleep there for the night while it starts getting dark and and i'm by myself which i've been a ton of times and hunted solo but all of a sudden i hear this thing coming at me from the trail up above and i instantly i think god damn it it's a mountain lion you know and so i i kind of I'm in my tent, it's dark, and I can hear this thing walking at me, and so I scream out into the night, hey, kitty, get out of here. He'll get out of here, cat. He's just trying to make noise and scare it off, and it scares off and scampers off, and I lay there a little bit, and now you're just wired. Your eyes are wide open, and you go, oh, God, what in the heck is this? And so then I hear it again, you know, I scream at it, and 
takes off and pretty soon, you know, it, it, everything calms down and I start falling asleep. Well, all of a sudden I've got this thing chewing on the end of my tent and I kind of kick my feet real quick and scare awake. And, and it's these, these dang uh, rock pikas up there. <laughs> Holy and shit. Somehow, in the middle of the night, I have just camped right in these things. And so I'm just, I'm in these rock pikas in, in all night long, they'd come and they'd, they chew on my tent, so I just fall asleep, and then they start chewing on my straps and my tent, and my pack, and on my stuff laying out. And so I was up half, and I was up till probably twelve or one, kicking at these strings, trying to keep them <laughs> off my tent. And, and I've got nowhere to go. I'm off the edge of a cliff in the middle of the night. I, I don't have. It's not pack up my stuff and head down to a nice meadow to camp. It's like, man, I gotta sleep this out. And so. I wake up in the morning and I finally fell asleep midnight, one o'clock, and they still woke me up all throughout the night. So all of a sudden now I've started off my hunt and I'm sleep deprived and I wake up in the morning and kind of assess the damage. And I and I go look at my tent and these dang things have, have chewed off the end of my tent in places like my straps <laughs> and then my lift strap on my pack. They've chewed through that. So now I have no lift strap on my pack, which able to do a backcountry fix on that. And I had left my bow right outside my tent. They chewed through my rest cable on my bow and most of the way through my string loop on my bow. Holy so shit! My bow is rendered useless. And I've hiked 10 or 10 plus miles up here and climbed to the top of this peak. And I've got this bow that won't shoot an arrow now. And it, this is day one. You know, happy opening day. And I'm just thinking, God dang it, what can I do? And so I've got this little backcountry repair kit. I don't carry a lot of bow stuff because it's heavy and you're carrying everything you got on your back. And so, um, like a gypsy. What's that? Like a gypsy. Right, yeah, backcountry gypsy for sure. And so I get into that and I oh I'm able to I'm able to figure out my rest cord and I get it tied with a steelhead knot to a to a different piece of a rest cord, the piece that's through, you know, my down cable on my bow, my control or my bus cable on my bow. So I leave the piece in my bus cable, tie a steelhead knot, run it through my rest, pull it back, everything pulls back my rest lifts up it's like okay well i got that solved and and i always have my my string loops are always tied in top and bottom and so i'm able to pull my string loop off there tie a new string loop off and so i get all these repairs made and now you're kind of looking at your bow going god dang i hope this thing will still shoot at 60 yards i don't know i just changed (laughs) the world on it you know and so um, I figure, well, I've got to shoot an arrow and so i've got to find a soft spot and shoot an arrow and make sure this bow shoots good and so I kind of find a soft spot there. Well, that whole place is a rock. I mean, there is no soft spot to shoot. But I, I found a little chunk of dirt I think would be soft. And so I fire an arrow, and it hits its mark 60 yards. The bow's on, but it just wrecks that arrow. So now already I'm down to four arrows, and I got this broken arrow in my quiver. But I know my bow's on now. I can go hunt. And so um, I hunt back in there and I cover country like a madman back in there. Like you say, backcountry gypsy, just moving and glassing. And I, I spotted some bucks in there and, and saw some bucks, but nothing I was really looking to go after and, and uh, just didn't get any opportunities. Couldn't find a, a big enough deer that was my gold deer or whatever. And, and I do glass across this huge drainage. And on the other side, I, I pick out some bucks that have some promise. And so now I'm getting into day three or day four and I'm supposed to meet Dan. Yeah. I don't know how in the hell Dan ever found me in there. I drew this this map on a napkin that told him, like, go by this lake, go up this deal, up this trail, around this side, and I'll be up here somewhere. And then and then no cell service or no anything, and we're supposed to meet day four. But Dan's just such a rock-solid hunting partner that I, I go, wow, he's, he's going to be coming. And so I have some orange that I carry in my pack, and so I hung up – I. I come down off that big north face and come down into the basin and where I'm going to meet Dan and where we plan to meet back in there and set some orange up on a tree. And sure enough, day four, here comes Dan trucking. And and uh, <laughs> Dan, Dan looks at me and, and uh, we kind of catch up and he goes, Jesus Christ, this mountain range is gnarly. You know, he'd, he'd never seen it. He never <laughs> scouted it. I just drew him a map and he drove up there and came in and I'm all, yeah, man, it's something else, right? And he goes, yeah, the underbrush, it just grabs you everywhere. I thought I'd be in here in a couple hours. I've been hiking for six, eight hours. I said, I know, man, this place is rugged. And so we kind of change stories. I tell him what I've seen. And I say, well, across this big drainage over here, I saw some pretty good bucks, you know, so I think we should head over there and, and um, make camp and 
and uh, and go from there and kind of try to hunt these bucks, try to get on these things. And Dan's totally game. He's jacked. It's his first day in. He's been working. And so we roll over and, and uh, make our way across this drainage, which is just no easy feat. Like I say, a normal mountain range, you'd be across it in an hour. You'd be to where you want to be or an hour and a half. You'd be across to this other drainage I want to hunt. But it must have taken us grinding for four, five, six hours, just fighting <laughs> through brush and cliffs and just like, Jesus, just get there. And we're just exhausted. And we get on the get on this vantage point where we're looking across this posing hillside and we we start seeing the bucks we're after. And I think we got to call it a night, start again in the morning, the morning we bed them down. And and so we bed these bucks, but it's just not like these typical places I hunt high country mule deer that's more open or whatever. It's there's a lot more cover and a lot more timber patches. And so these bucks, you kind of you know that they went in this timber patch in this patch of trees, but you don't know exactly where they're bedded in this patch of trees, which makes it really tough to kill them because you don't know exactly where they're at. And so we get home, we each get a couple failed stalks. There's this really nice big uh buck with an extra on him that i'm hunting and dan's hunting this big typical and so we kind of we're hunting in there for a couple days and we just can't make it happen i mean close calls i set up on this one buck that i bedded in a timber patch and i know he's in that timber patch and i'm set up for a shot in the evening and i just go to adjust a little bit i've been sitting there for two hours in this perch waiting for him to come out I adjust a little bit, and the sun must have been on me, and I just blew up all the bucks out of there, and they left. And I had another one that, that winded me where I got up. The winds got fickle, and waiting for him to come out in the evening in a timber patch, I'd bedded him, wait there for like six hours, and he never comes out. He just disappeared, you know, like a muley will do. And so we've had all these trials and tribulations, and now we're getting down to our last days, you know. And we've got some stocks, and oh, and I forgot to mention the other challenge on this hunt. So it's a it's early September hunt. We go in there lightweight. The mosquitoes are so evil in there, like I've never seen. Just maul you. I've got one little mosquito wipe that came in this packet that we made last like three four days, sharing it, wiping it on ourselves. But the mosquitoes are just evil, like I've like I've never seen them. You know, and most of the time September in the mountains is like you don't have any problems with mosquitoes. But in this wet, damp environment, it was just a problem that I hadn't planned on. And so every day on the vantage point, I mean, Dan looks like Elephant Man. His back is so eaten up with hundreds of mosquito bites all over his back. And and I have a hood, and I've got long sleeves, and I've got different things. But they're still just just eating the crap out of it. I'm, I'm surprised you didn't get malaria or what's What's that other disease you can get from mosquitoes? West Nile. Yeah, West <laughs> right? Nile. That one. If, any, if anybody was going to get West Nile, it was us. It was just <laughs> wild. They just maul you. I mean, you couldn't even sit on the vantage point, and all of a sudden you just right in your ear, just constantly hitting you. And and pretty soon, you know, even though I got long sleeves, they're hitting me through my shirt, through my sleeves. I mean, you got all these mosquito bites on you. And, and Dan's just uh, Dan's like, what hellhole did you bring me to? You know, he just like it, it is. It's just one of the toughest hunts out there, toughest mountain ranges out there. And with no bug spray, it just made it bad. I mean, the only saving grace is they couldn't get in the the tent other than when you got in there. So after you kill about ten of them after you got in your tent, you know, you can finally sleep through the night. But all day long on your stocks, on your glassing on your you just constantly have mosquitoes all over you so it like like hunting alaska or something so i forgot to mention that little challenge or that little court hunt, but so we got these mosquitoes eating us alive we're we're day nine um we're getting down our last day is day 10 um and i think we've got to come out and we can only hunt a half day on day 10 but day nine uh, we, I bed this really nice typical and a good spot, and he's in this basin we call Trail Basin, and Trail Basin has one trail going through kind of the middle of it, and all the deer have been using this trail. It's like this main runway for him, and he kind of beds off the trail, and so me and Dan make a plan. I said, you know, you know, what do you? Um, I don't, I can't remember if we um rock paper scissored or how we decided who was gonna one of us was gonna make a play on the buck and make a stock for him the other guy was gonna ambush off the trail set up on the trail so when the buck escaped he'd get a shot off the trail um it was a really good plan and and uh it, it gave us both a play at this buck or whatever so we rock paper scissors I, don't, I still to this day don't know what the best play was if it was setting up on the trail or going for the stock but 
I won or lost or whatever I did. So I was going to make the stock on the buck. And so um, we, we had him bedded in a good spot. I knew his exact position. So he wasn't in a group of trees like the other bucks. He was where we could see him. And, and so Dan set up on the trail and worked all the way around and, and uh, you know, work around this drainage. And in this place, there's so many trees and so much cover, you know, it looks totally different when you get over there. And so I get over there and I had this old log marked. And so I kind of, I thought I was in the right spot, but then you're not sure. And I saw the old log and it's like, Oh, that's gotta be the old log. And so that's it. And so I, um, I had to, I took my shoes off and tried to go in my socks, but the grass hillside was so steep that my grass socks wanted to shoot me right off the hillside to the bottom. <laughs> so, so I couldn't even stock in my socks. I had to take off my socks and stick them in my shoe and then I had to stalk absolutely barefoot so I could grip with my feet to the grass so I could get over to where this buck is. And uh, I, and I was able to close in on this buck and I got, you know, inside and I'm sitting at 50 yards from this buck and he's in his bed. And I'm I'm trying to think if I can get an arrow in him in his bed and he's broadside to me, but he's got a little brush in front of him. And, and I just opt to just keep waiting. And so the first hour goes by and hour and a half and sun's just beating down on us mosquitoes are eating you alive eating your feet and everything else and finally he stands up at about two hours gives me a broadside shot and just put a perfect double lung on him day nine and, and the buck tries to run towards dan on the trail basin and then tips over dead and rolls down the hill down this 70 degree slope down the hill and just makes a big dust cloud so where I just so am got the buck, you know, I can't, I think Dan could see him from where he was at. So he came over, high five me. And it was just like, man, I can't believe we got it done. We killed a buck in here. It's just this gorgeous velvet typical. And, and uh, so then we go down to recover the buck and this buck has rolled without my buddy, Dan, I, I would have had to cut this. He's on this rolled off this grass hillside into these cliffs and then just buried himself into this, this, bushes trees you know into this um pile of trees in there and it's just all tangled up in there where you can't even get them out to take a picture or anything and we we finally after 30 minutes of struggling get them wrestled out we don't we don't lose our lives on the cliffs trying to get them wrestled up and finally able to get a couple pictures and and his his velvet's just all scarred off like he had scraped off all his velvet in his fall because he had rolled down the hill so he's just this gnarly typical with velvet hanging off him and then the picture is all in this deep grass, you know, of that that mountain range. But um, yeah, we were able to phone him out, and then we walked out that night and made it out. Gosh, I don't know, three, four in the morning, we made it out. You know, my good buddy Dan took half the deer. You know, didn't tag out on that hunt. Helped me, helped me tag out on that deer. So now I really owed him for the next hunt or whatever. But one of my greatest bow hunting achievements, being able to a home range or you know a, a uh, home state buck, you know, a Montana high country buck in velvet or, you know, shed his velvet or whatever, but uh, a high country Montana buck to hang my hat on and say that I had accomplished it. It was just unreal, the the feelings I had on it. So it was um, one of the coolest hunts I've ever been on. And like you say, the more you put into it, the more it means to you. So, I mean, I still, I look at this buck on my wall and can remember all the hardships and all the scouting trips and days I had into it. But, um, that buck just means a ton to me. So it was a really cool hunt. That's awesome, man. Nothing like going in there, being tested to the max, and still continuing to make it happen. Like, that is one of the best feelings that you will ever have on a hunt. <laughs> right. That That's it. Yeah, that's... Um... That's that's the reason why we do it, right? Is when you can make it through those trials and tribulations and come out on top and endure all the punishment Mother Nature in the wilderness has to throw out at you, and then be able to come out on top. It's the best feeling in the world, especially when you train year round. You're you're constantly shooting your bow. You're constantly running trail miles. You're you're researching. You're scouting. You put everything into it. It means everything to you. It means the world. And it's never a guarantee you're gonna kill one. But then to to come out on top and and kill a buck like that, a gold buck that that I'd been working all year from, just absolutely means the world to me and and fuels the fire on bow hunting. But um, yeah, I, I think I I got back and I had lost I had ten or twelve pounds on that hunt. I came back skinny, weighing like I'm not a very big guy to start with, but I weighed like 140 pounds when I came back. I, I was just eaten up by mosquitoes, but I had this great buck to show for it. So. It's just a, a killer hunt and a killer experience. Too bad the mosquitoes didn't carry you and your pack down the mountain. That would have been handy. <laughs> <laughs> 
Right? Isn't that the truth? I hope you enjoyed Brian's story. Now, let's hop into Ryan's. Ryan joins us on the show, and we talk all about his 2016 Nevada high country mule deer hunt, where he kills an absolute stud buck. Uh, Ryan does an excellent job of reliving this adventure, uh, and really drags you right there with him in the story, and it's just a great listen. So, as usual, thanks for tuning in, and I hope you enjoy the show. Do you happen to have a success or failure story that you would like to share? Yeah, I'll just, I'll just, I mean, I guess, uh, this year, I'll just go into this year. Um, cool. had a little success, um, on a recent trip. Um, like I mentioned before, uh, I got drawn for Nevada. So, um, I'm kind of a Pacific Northwest guy. I've, I've hunted up here, um, you know, definitely most of my life and um getting out of state is is fun and i love it um i've done idaho and montana a lot but nevada was something totally new for me um i went down there with uh well there was another guy we both drew this tag um dan staten actually is the guy that i drawn with and so we we had plans to go down there meet up and and do a backcountry hunt so you know we did a ton of research um, I actually, I was at nationals for train to hunt before this, like right up into the day I finished that and headed straight over to, uh, Nevada, like the day after, um, that event. So I was a little wiped out, but, uh, Dan had already blasted in and, and, uh, I'd already had a chance to spend a few days up there looking for bucks. So kind of how it worked was, uh, uh, you know, preseason, we definitely, like I said, we did a lot of scouting, a lot of online, you know, stuff, Google Earth, of course. Um, and, uh, you know, really kind of talked to as many people as possible who would either knew a little bit about that area. Um, I talked to guys that shed hunt, you know, kind of that general area, um, guys that have just been in there. I talked to outfitters, talked to everybody I could to kind of get you know, the layout of the land, obviously the, you know, the little possible places that I might want to focus my time, um, which is really important when you get out of state, you know, time is, is limited. You only have a set amount of days. And, um, and so I went down there and, um, oh man, I first, I think the first little base camp that we'd set up was about, I don't know, maybe it was, it was like, not there, very far in. It's maybe four miles in, I think. So I got up in there and I met up with Dan and um, and uh, so we we started talking. I was really curious about what he'd been seeing and you know it was pretty tough. You know he he saw a lot of bucks out of the gates, but as much scouting as we had done on Google Earth, you really, really, really just don't get the best feel for the steepness. Um, and the terrain um, once you until you get boots on the ground. So, did you guys get to scout it with boots on the ground? No, we did not. No, gotcha. this was this was yeah, it was a long drive. So I I just didn't get down there. But I just thought you know okay, I've got an idea. You know, I've got this picture of Nevada. You know, I hear <clears throat> got Nevada bucks running around all over the place, right? Early season velvet bucks all over. Well. Mm-hmm. You know, this was this was a draw that wasn't really hard to get. Um, I definitely, I just wanted to hunt it. I wanted to get down there on August hunt and chase uh, some velvet bucks. And so we kind of, uh, you know, tailored our our draws to just just make sure we drew a hunt. So we got down there and and it was it was really tough uh, right out of the gates. Um, I got in and they had been uh, or Dan had been seeing um, some bucks, but nothing really big. And, uh, and he'd already been there for a few days. So we kind of split off and, and I decided to really put some miles on. I just wanted to get a good layout of this, this place and, and, um, you know, kind of know where I wanted to focus my time. So the first day in, um, got up there in the dark early and, uh, and man, got, got to go and hit this ridge and put a lot of miles on. Um, I think I went about six miles that first day, um, and this is up at about, you know, over 10,000 feet. So um, definitely a, a stretch for me. Um, 
I didn't really feel the elevation, but um, it, it, I mean, it, I, I felt it a little. It just wasn't, you know, crazy. I was expecting worse, but mm-hmm. uh, because I'm from the coast, I just thought it was going to be worse than it yeah. was. <laughs> but put a bunch of miles on, blast a ton of country, and um, and man, I was seeing, I was seeing a lot of elk. Um, bulls were. They'd already, you know, dropped their velvet, and they were kind of already already sparring around, just that that pre stuff and um, white horned and all that. And man, I was just in love with the country right out of the gates. It had a bunch of bunch of quakey, so um, something I'm definitely not accustomed to. Um, and that first night, I I got up on this basin, and I had I had it marked on my map as a place I wanted to look at. So I got out there onto this basin and um and uh and I just start glass and get a really good lookout, good vantage point so I can see this whole thing and I'm seeing elk way down low, um, way down where they're a little closer to water and and then I <clears throat> I look down and I don't know, I think I'd only been there about maybe fifteen minutes and I look down and a buck had stood up and kind of was working through these little short quakies. And uh, it was just kind of like, it kind of reminded me of like an avalanche shoot type thing. The quakies are real tight to the ground. They're just really short. So uh, this buck was in there feeding around. And, man, I looked at that buck and put my spotter on it and um, put the put the uh, phone scope on there and was taking some photos. And I was like, gosh, and it was the it was the first buck I'd seen. Like man, that is a big buck. I mean, man, I know Nevada has big bucks, but that is that is huge. I mean, that looks like one I want, and that's what I'm here for. But gosh, it's the first buck I've seen. You know, yeah. am I am I seeing this wrong or what? <laughs> so I took some photos, and uh, and I was like, I was in that dilemma, you know, where it's like, gosh, it's it's the first day I've been here, but that's a buck. I don't I don't think I can pass up. You know, he's, he's got to be out there pushing 30. And so, um, man, I watched that buck for, for a while. And then, um, shoot, he went over, um, he fed through the quakies and then he, he bedded down and I got down in there. Um, and shoot, I sat there for a long time. He was, he was, he got the quakies, how the thermals were coming up through these quakies. Um, well, it wasn't just thermals, it was an all out wind and it made it really noisy. So it was really easy to stock down in there and, and get in on this buck. Well, I was about 70 yards from where he bedded and I couldn't get in any closer. And so, uh, he, you know, I, I was down there and I had dropped all my stuff up top. And so I had left my, left my water, left everything up there, just assuming I was going to get down in there and be able to put a good stock on this buck. And that just, it just didn't happen as, as quickly as I, and I should have known it never does, but, um, it just looked like he was in a great spot when I first saw him. So what he ended up doing, um, a couple hours into it was he got up and I thought I had, you know, both of his routes, um, kind of dialed in. If he went, if he kind of fed up from me, I was going to have a great shot, nice close 35 yard shot. Um, and then if he fed over, um, across the canyon, uh, or crossed and down from me to the left, um, I was also going to have a pretty nice close shot and be 40 tops or so. And, and, uh, man, he got up and he fed down right below me. Perfect. But the way the hill rolled, I just could not get a shot on him. And he had no idea I was there. And what he did is he kind of went over and he fed up and over this little finger ridge and, and disappeared on me. So, um, I backed out, I got back up onto the ridge and, uh, spent a little time relocating him, relocated him. Um, he'd just gone up and over that ridge and bedded down again. So, uh, shoot, I, I got back down to the, the basin that I had already been into, dropped down into there. And from when I'd relocated him, there was a big old boulder on that knife finger that, um, that just, it was just the perfect, perfect spot for an ambush. And, you know, it put me within about 50 yards of him, um, right above him and the thermals were still coming up and everything was good. And, and, um, so I got down there and, uh, shoot, got, got on that rock, got set up, 
and uh, I could see the you know his antler tips and waited him out, waited him out, waited him out, and sure enough, you know now it's getting pretty late, and of course you know what happens, um, you know those thermals are starting to get a little wanky, so I was almost gonna back out, and sure enough he 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 must have winded me, I think he he winded me, and he stood up and. I came to full draw and uh and I had ranged him at fifty two and so I had a great a great open lane, but he had just when he got up he moved forward just a bit to where I couldn't get uh any shot at his vitals. And he had this short little quakey that, that was right there and and man, it was just frustrating I couldn't get that shot off. But um he turned and, and boogied down the hill and I thought, well, he's he's gone forever. So I backed out um that night, went back and and uh, you know, kinda showed Dan the, the photo and said, Man, you know, what do you think? <laughs> and uh, you know, he's he's pretty uh, you know, in agreement, you know, man, that is a that is a great bug. So anyway, long story short, I'm dragging this on way too long, but no, you're good. You're good. I'm serious. So, uh, <laughs> all right, I just kept kept hunting, kept hunting, went, kept going back to that place and hoping that I had blown that deer out for good. And um, so, it was so far from where the water was and where um, where I had originated. What I did, I ended up backing down, and I had seen on a map there's another way in to this range, to this wilderness, and so I backed all the way out. Um, cause I hadn't seen that buck for a few days and uh, I wanted to get kind of on the other side of him and take another approach. Um, and I'd seen it look like there was a trailhead that got me to ba- basically look at some new country, but had a better approach to this basin. Um, and just, just, so I backed out, drove around and, uh, and got to a different trailhead. Well, on my way to the trailhead, it was it was like you know ninety degrees um, August in Nevada, and this tra- this road that was supposed to take me to this trailhead ended up being not a road at all. Really, it was like a <laughs> and I got a big old Dodge Ram, and you know it was struggling, so it was getting tight. And man, my truck overheated about two and a half miles from that trailhead. So I uh. I thought, well, I'm just going to pull this over, let her cool off, and I'm going to have to go from here. So it added another couple, two and a half miles to get to that trailhead. Well, that trailhead turned out to be no trailhead at all. It was like a, maybe it used to be a trail like 20 years ago, but at this point it was it was pretty hard to find. But um, so I kind of had to go off off road and just just go in, and uh, it's quite a few miles in there, um, but put me into on the other side of this basin where I had a little bit of new country to see. And I could also stay on, um, in that basin and keep blasting that thing, uh, to hopefully turn up that, that big old buck again. And, you know, my focus there, I, at this point in the game, I had seen quite a few other smaller bucks, but no, mm-hmm. nothing to that caliber. So I knew, um, even though it was the first buck I saw, I just got lucky there, but, uh, that was the buck that I was going to be spending my time chasing. So I, uh, like I said, I backed out, relocated my camp and started hunting him from the other side and, and getting a so, advantage. Just a quick question. When you said you relocated your camp, yeah. how, how far from the basin you thought he was in, did you keep your camp? Oh, I was probably about a mile or so from that base. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, it was, it was a pretty good clip. Um, it just put me in an area where I had a little better access to some water. So, um, you know, I was more than happy to, to climb up that mile and, and get up there where I had a good uh, band. Toby! Um, that meant, you know, I wasn't going to be dehydrated for forever. So, um, basically, I, I every day I was hitting that basin looking for him. I He just disappeared on me. Um, and I thought, you know, maybe I did blow him out to where he's just... The problem with that country is with the topography of it, there's quite a bit of timber. Um, and those quakies, they can just disappear. So um, I ended up starting to see a few other bucks, some good bucks. Um, I saw another buck that I would have really, really had a, you know, I would have been more than blessed to get this buck. He was definitely well over 200 inches, just a monster buck. Big old, uh, big old four, and he had a, 
Well, he was five on his right side, big old kicker off his right side, but just a giant, deep, forked, heavy buck. And um, I'd seen him, but he was in an area where I had absolutely no chance of getting him. So um, I really just kept focusing on that that one buck. And uh, six days later, um, uh, from the first day that I'd seen that buck, I'm sitting up there, and I'd been sitting up there for a couple hours, and and I was looking at a couple smaller bucks way down, um, way down below, kind of where I was seeing more elk. Uh, it was a long ways away, it was a couple miles away. And, uh, and like out of nowhere, it was like, <laughs> I looked down and 250 yards or so down from me on that same exact path that that buck had taken that first, uh, afternoon when I'd seen him, there's that buck. It was almost like he was, he had bed in the same spot in the Quakies and he was doing the exact same thing. So that's so cool. So man, I was so excited. I mean, I was jacked. I was like, oh man, you know, I got another shot at this thing and, um, real similar, um, conditions. The, the wind was kind of coming up and it just puts a really, when you're in those Quakies, man, it just, this is like, this is like a blessing when you get that wind because it's so noisy. You really don't have to strip off the boots or anything you can get down there and um and you know that noise is is is, uh or that wind is covering your noise so basically what happened was that buck did the same kind of did the same line took the same line um fed over um fed for a while i watched him and he took that trail up and over that little knife ridge so i went over to the next side and and relocated him down there and man lucky for me he he hop down into that same bed that he was that first night where I'd seen him. So I kind of knew the layout down there now. Um, so I had a better idea what I had to do. Um, didn't want to take that same approach. So I buggered back down into that, that initial basin and, um, got down in there. And I knew if I took a little bit lower approach, um, I didn't have to worry about the the wind and thermals. They're still coming up a little bit lower approach on that boulder that I was going to get, you know, about a 40 yard shot. Um, and so that's what I did. Um, you know, I, I stripped the shoes off. I, I run those, uh, five, you know what those five fingers are, those old vibrant five fingers. Um, yeah, the one, the toe shoes, toe shoes. Yeah. I didn't really care for those things too much, but, uh, for some, somehow I, I came upon some, I had some and <laughs> that's, I, I think I tried them one day um, on a stock and they worked out really well um, because over there um, they've got cactus and uh, I don't want to be in my socks and cactus. So right? I put those five fingers on and I always put a heavy sock on top of those and it really quiets them down. And, you know, they're really flexible and, you know, you can kind of feel the contours of the, of the ground and, and um, you know, they're super quiet with a thick sock. So that's kind of what I do. Huh. That's an awesome idea. But, um, so anyway, super light, super too. light. Yeah, exactly. And um, and they just keep you from uh, you know just really messing up your feet with those cactus. So what happened was I ended up getting down back into that basin, took the, a real similar approach, just went a little bit lower on that knife ridge, and uh, got below that boulder, and uh, and basically got to a a spot where, um, you know, I could see his antler tips and I knew I just have to wait him out. And once, once he stood up, I'd, I'd be, uh, I had a 40 yard shot. And, you know, I don't know how many times I ranged just to, I, you know, I probably over range cause I'm bored, but, um, he had no eyeballs on me and, and I had all the time in the world. So, um, had a really good range on him and, and eventually, yeah, man, he just, he just stood up and, uh, and started feeding and, and he had no idea I was there. And I, I put just a perfect shot on that buck and, and, uh, he went down and didn't go down very far. So it all ended up working out. And, um, and so that buck I'd seen the first day was, was the buck I ended up with on day seven. So, uh, and he ended up being a great buck, really nice. Um, you know, he was 30 inches wide, um, pretty good forks on him and just couldn't have been happier for my first Nevada buck on a, in an area I'd never been to and just, you know, public land type hunt that just, man, I was so thrilled to get that buck. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's for sure. Congratulations. First off, I mean, that's, 
it's not easy to go into a into a whole new area and and find success. I mean, usually, you know, probably the higher percentage of people, it's it's about the third year that they go into the area that they finally have success. So that's pretty awesome. Yeah, um, I'm very fortunate that, that it worked out that way. Yeah, well, you well, it wasn't. I mean, luck is just when preparation meets opportunity, Maybe. right? And you know, you guys prepared and you prepared and you prepared, and it paid Absolutely. off. Um, now, as far as you know, so you got over there and you found the deer. Um, what was it that kept you? I don't know, going back to that basin rather than saying, okay, I haven't seen him here. I need to go someplace else. Um, well, I just had a gut feeling that that deer would be back. And he was so impressive. And there was, you know, there was definitely a few other bucks out there. Um, but that basin was, it just had everything right to get a good stock on him. And uh, things. The, the approach on a buck that was going to bed down in that basin, uh, there was, there was boulders, there was quakies that, that, uh, just was just a great area for that. And for that buck to be in that exact basin, it just seemed like, um, man, I'd be stupid to go somewhere else and, and try for something else when I've got this great buck. Um, and I'm not afraid to hunt for one deer, you know, a buck like that, that, you know, it, I'm not used to 30 inch bucks here in Washington. Uh, we get heavy horn bucks. We don't get those big 30 inch bucks. And so once I saw that definitely, uh, kept me motivated to stay in that basin and, and just grind it out. And that's, there's definitely something, uh, you know, you, you definitely got to have a strong mind, I think. Um, especially at that point, um, I'd been up there for four days, um, by myself at that point, uh, Dan had, had taken off and, and so, you know, it was just me and and uh, me talking to myself and <laughs> telling myself, you know, this buck is going to come back. And uh, but I, I I definitely had that other buck in mind, but he was just kind of like I said, he was a great buck. He was just putting himself in a bad spot in these quakies that I really was going to have a hard time getting to. So I really wanted to focus my time, and you know, I would go, you know, to the adjoining. Uh, basins you know and glass and glass and make sure that he didn't just you know dip up and over into another one i was missing him um but i spent a lot of time in that original basin and those basins on the sides and just figured you know hey i'm gonna put in my time and and if it works out it works out but i'm gonna do everything i can to try to get that buck um because you know it would have been i definitely could have went down and um i did some little you know just kind of play stocks on some other little, you know, like 22 inch four points that were in the area. And that would have been, I guess I, yeah, pretty easy, pretty easy. There's pretty good amount of deer there. So, um, it just, yeah, that, that buck is just, it's just one I wanted for sure. So I was willing to put in those days and, and take it down to the last day if need be. Hey, before you go, don't forget about your free gift. Do you like free? I do. Head on over to www.archerymaniacs.com and grab one of four free gifts made just for you as a thanks for tuning into the show and to help you be more successful in anything archery. Cool. Cool, cool. That's So I guess, you know, from, from hearing the story, it sounds like... Um, you know all of the all the preparation and and research you guys did, uh, coupled with uh, willing to go a little farther than you know than you know you get there and you're like man this isn't working I'm gonna have to go farther <clears throat> you know coupled with that and coupled with a gut feeling and then not giving up it kind of sounds like those together what what uh, helped you come out with that with that great yeah topic. absolutely um, you know it's one of those one of those areas as well you know I felt really good about it because I wasn't seeing anybody you know I saw one guy um, right out of the gates that was down low and um, and he had actually it was him and his kid and they were they were quite a ways from where I was and it's not the easiest area to get into it's a long ways so um, without any kind of outside pressure from other folks um all the more reason that i didn't want to move and and change it up and 
uh, I think, yeah, I think a lot of that preseason stuff and, um, you know, the, the research that gone into it put me in that place for a reason. And, um, definitely, uh, it worked out, you know, sometimes like similar to Montana, uh, this year, you know, I went into this year, um, kind of with a challenge, you know, uh, me and a buddy, it's kind of a challenge to just put, put some X's on some, uh, some public land, some BLM land out there and, and, um, you know, do some map work. And, uh, we're just kind of challenging ourselves to, let's see if, you know, let's see how this piece works out. If we can, you know, we can get in here, it's going to be tough access. So, uh, we, we kind of, we hit our first spot and we saw a lot of bucks, but just didn't get that feeling that it was going to work out as far as quality bucks, big old great face, mature bucks. So, we moved on, and uh, the second spot we we had done a ton of research on, but without being there, um, a lot of the roads that were going through private land we figured wouldn't be accessible, but they were. So out of mm-hmm. that, so our third spot, which was the toughest spot to get into, um, it was a lot of miles to get back in there, and um, you know, just an area that there wasn't going to be any folks, and. Um, and that's the spot that ended up working out for us there as well. And that I had done most of my research in that spot, um, had a lot of cool coolies that were just, just perfect and areas that, you know, to get old and, um, yeah, I get those old great face bucks that are going to get that five year mark. And, uh, you know, all the confidence in the world going into a spot like that where you're just not seeing people, um, you're not seeing boot tracks, you're not getting any kind of quads or anything like that. It's, um, just gives you a feeling that, you know, bucks can get old here and they're not getting pressured. And, um, it's, it's one of those things. It's just such a challenge. It's, it's a blast trying to find areas like that. Um, cause they're definitely out there. Um, seems like, you know, it just, just takes some homework and, and boots on the ground, but you definitely can find them. Awesome. Awesome. Well, that was a sweet story. I, I really appreciate you sharing that story with us. I, uh, um, not only enjoyed the story, but there was a lot of great tips and tactics intertwined in the story. So, um, I really appreciate you not only sharing the story, but you taking once again, your evening to uh, hop on the show with us. Thank you very much. Oh, absolutely. Zach. Yeah. Anytime, buddy. Thank you for tuning into the show. It means a lot to us. But seriously, though, I really appreciate your ear, and it would mean the world to me if you would rate our podcast. If you didn't like it, one star it, but if you did, a five is even better. Don't forget to comment, like, share, and hit that subscribe button. Thanks again for tuning into the show. Some other podcasts that you should definitely check out are Eastman Elevated with Bride and Barney. And Hunt Harvest Health with Ryan and Hillary Lampers. And a special thanks to Maven Optics, Six Sight Gear, Dark Energy Tech, Shield Mountain Outdoors, The Outdoor Insiders, Iron Mind Hunting, Valkyrie Archery, and Gannett Ridge Sporting Equipment.